Hey everybody, it's Mark Thompson. And as you know, every week I have the pleasure of talking to chief executives who are changing the world. Perhaps no one has changed an American icon more dramatically than Alan Mulally. My friend and mentor who led both Boeing and Ford Motor Company to an entire transformation. And they did it by guiding the way people show up for themselves as leaders. That they get in touch with how to work together more humanely, more deeply, and with a greater level of responsibility and empowerment than perhaps ever before in corporate America. Listen to Alan Mulally share with you his insights about how you can create not only a business plan, but a life process plan that really helps us all show up in ways and deliver with impact greater than we ever imagined. I have so long admired his work as we all have, who's been inspiring organizations to think differently and to think more cohesively and integrate all the aspects of our humanity into the work that we do. And, and having a front row seat on that for me literally has been something I've been doing now for at least a dozen years. <laughs> I think I was first introduced by Francis Hesselbein. Uh, we were talking earlier about interventions and I think Francis was always an intervention saying, <laughs> you and Alan must be together because uh, he is a, a person who has really rethought the way we can work together. And so Alan, I thought it would be lovely to, although people have read your bio, could you start off with the journey that you've taken that's been so rich in helping lead two of the most iconic companies uh, in the oh, world. Oh, sure. Well, first of all, Mark, it's great to be with you. And I've been a fan of, of yours uh, and all of our uh, joint friends uh, for a long time. And get a chance to uh, do this with you today is, is a real privilege for me. So thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. So um, I uh, found my first love uh, at Boeing uh, as an airplane designer. I wanted, I originally wanted to be an astronaut. So I switched over to aeronautical and astronautical engineering. And, and then I found out, uh, learned to fly, joined the Air Force. And then I found out I was, I was uh, had uh, a case of, of color blindness where I couldn't see shades of gray. So the first uh, landings on the moon were gonna be manual. So you need to be able to see all the shades of gray. So uh, my, uh, Thesis advisor said, Alan, uh, I know you're disappointed, but you can find your love in your, in your work uh, with uh, talented engineers creating uh, commercial airplanes. And he happened to be the head of aerodynamics at, at Boeing also. So I uh, joined Boeing and uh, had a chance to serve on, on all the Boeing airplanes uh, on design of them. And if you look at all the airplanes that are flying today from the 707 through the 787, uh, nearly 70% of all the seats that are flying in the world today are on Boeing airplanes. So, uh, and they, they get people together. So we find out we have more in common than we're different. So it was always like a higher calling. I also uh, was asked then that when we bought McDonnell Douglas and Rockwell, uh, I was asked to uh, be the CEO and the, and the president to integrate all those fabulous defense and space assets. And to work with the Pentagon and support the war fighters was like a fabulous experience. And then, and then I, I never thought I'd leave Boeing. And then I got this call from Bill Ford, the great grandson of Henry Ford. And he told me what the situation was. And the more he, he told me, the worse it got. And they were in real trouble, as, as we all know now. And, um, and he asked me to come. And I, I originally uh, declined because I had one more uh, airplane I had wanted to help launch. And, and so I was, um, I was in my... Uh, my little office in, in Seattle and, and I hung up the phone and Nikki and two or three of the five kids were listening to this because they all wanted me to go. They, they knew all about airplanes. They wanted to get, go ride a new Ford GT and Mustang. And so uh, they walked in and, and, and without me saying anything, they, they said, uh, uh, what do you think? And, and I, because I had declined and I said, well, what I think is we're going to Ford. And it's one of those things, Mark, where you, you, you've got it all thought out and you're, and, and you've talked to everybody and that, and you got to then uh, answer the question, what do you really want to do? 
and you got to listen to what you're thinking when you say it. And I knew right then that we were going and they went, of course, they went crazy. So uh, then the rest of the story with, with Ford, you know, and, and, and to be able to serve uh, two uh, American and global icons that provide safeness, safe and tra- safe and efficient transportation has been absolutely uh, the, the highlight of my service. Mm, that, an extraordinary journey that really, I think, inspires us to think differently about how we all need to go through this this continuous renewal uh, and 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 learning process. And and you leapt in in ways that are iconic and so well-written, and you can see on the shelves behind you <laughs> about that incredible story. Uh, when you think about how you came to the conclusion to develop this remarkable process around the principles and practices and management of working together, you know, those of us who went to business school, and I'm not gonna let me be held back any longer uh, from <laughs> what I might've learned there, but it wasn't about working together, at least not back then. <laughs> so, well, it's called, it was called cheating. <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> we didn't have any classes where we actually worked together. Let's and, flip the classroom. <laughs> absolutely, that's what really changed my, one of the things that changed my life because that Dr. Roscoe, the person I was telling you about, we had a design class and we had never had a design class where he had all of the functions and all the engineering disciplines plus finance and marketing because we were going to create a new version of, the, of a Cessna Skyhawk. Mm-hmm. As a, a, and so the team, all the students elected me to be the facilitator, the coach. And, and I'd never done that before with, with a, a talented team. And, and that, was, that was a college experience when that was so ahead of when we do it today, where we do it in teams and we nurture the value and the culture of working together and including everybody. So it's a really important point that you're making. We have come a long way in that area on education. A very long way. And you've created a framework for this that we should look at together that I'd love to have you walk through because this, I think, needs to be a mantra, uh, a practice. I'd be be glad to. So you can see at the top, it's all about skilled and motivated teams. And these are the principles, the practices, the management system, and also the leadership expectations to create this environment. So the first one is uh, people first, love them up. And it really is all about people. And they're so talented. They're committing themselves to something bigger than themselves. And it's so important that they know who you are as the leader. Where are we going together? And do you see them? Do you see me as part of, uh, part of this journey and this value creation? Everyone's included. This is has been so powerful because way before uh, people move from only stakeholders, shareholders to stakeholders, we needed everybody. Now you think about a commercial airplane that has 4 million parts and, um, and it flies safely halfway around the world, most complicated, sophisticated machines in the world. And at a peak of an airplane development, there are over 500, 600,000 people that are working on the airplane around the world. And so everybody needs to be included. Uh, The customers, the employees, uh, the investors, the communities, all the suppliers around the world, uh, the bankers, everybody needs to be included. And everybody needs to know what the vision is for the product, what's the strategy for achieving it, not just the technical strategy, but the relationship strategy, the partner strategy, the how we work together strategy, um, and then also a relentless implementation plan. Now, the uh, comprehensive strategy, what, what people really loved was the creating value roadmap. And that's where we come together on every element of the strategy that we believe will create a profitable growth for all plant. PGA down on the right-hand side does not stand for Professional Golf Association, It stands for profitable growth for all, meaning that if you're not profitably growing as an organization, then you're dying. And so this is a positive thing. And it has to work for all, for all those stakeholders, because then everybody's going to benefit, including the greater good. 
And then the, the relentless implementation is the business plan review that's gotten a lot of press that you mentioned. Yeah. And that is every week, uh, usually 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning, uh, depending on time zones where we were, we would uh, have all the leadership team around the world, all on the internet. And I'd start out, we'd go through the vision strategy and plan. Then every member of the leadership team would go through their part of the plan, of the strategy and plan, and also color code it on how their area was going, red, yellow, green. They're never red. They have a red issue. And so you can imagine that within two hours, everybody knew everything about the program, technically, schedule-wise, financial aspects. And then between this week and next, then we all work together to turn the reds, yellows, green. Clear performance goals are really important. Uh, having one plan that everybody understands. And, and most of us know that in most businesses, there are many plans and everybody's trying to figure out what the plan is. Facts and data, so important. We love what people's opinions are, but we wanna know what is the data that they're looking at to conclude their conclusions so that we all can move forward to knowing that we're based on facts and data to work on the reds, the yellows, the greens. Now you look over the right-hand right side, uh, Mark, and you see the behaviors starting. Everyone knows the plan, the status, and the areas need special attention. I mean, everyone. We share the financial plan, talk about uh, transparency and vulnerability. A lot of people can't show a red item. Right. In most companies, uh, you only share an issue that you have uh, with your supervisor or your manager or the CEO if you have a solution. So now you have a culture where you're managing a secret. You have no idea what's going on. So part of this is you celebrate those. It's not a problem. It's a gem. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that red item. And you remember the story in American Icon where, where Bryce uh, saw the first time that uh, the team was trying to decide what to do about these principles and practices. And so uh, we had 300 charts in the BPR and they were all green. And we were losing $17 billion. That was a forecast for the end of the year. What? And so I, so I know. So I, I'd stop the meeting. Let's say you guys, uh, we're going to lose $17 billion. Is there anything that might not be going really well? Maybe a red or a yellow? And That's when, right. You were actually kind of new at this job anyway. It's like, maybe I don't understand something here. It, it, <laughs> I came exactly. from Boeing. I'm at Ford. Exactly. <laughs> so Mark Fields at the time, uh, they, had, they had their business plan review fee for uh, we had our, our uh, entire Ford uh, BPR, and they had an issue with a, a Ford Edge launch in Oakville, uh, Canada. And, uh, and so they stopped production, which is what we all said we're going to do. We're only going to deliver the finest quality. And so he's at his meeting the night before the meeting with us, with the whole team. And, he, and, he, and up comes his launch chart and it has uh, three boxes for um, uh, product technical readiness, uh, schedule compliance and financial uh, situation. And they're all green. And Mark's like, you know, I think this is one of those red things Alan's talking about. And a senior vice president on the North American team said, well, uh, so what are you going to, you're not going to really color it red, are you? You know, you, you'll probably disappear. It's really nice to know you because uh, that's the way it is here. And he said, no, I think we need to trust Alan. And because what he's saying is, if we don't know what the situation is, we can't work on the issues. So the next day, he's, up comes this chart, green, 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 and up comes this red chart, red, red, red. And I mean, the air disappeared from the Thunderbird room <laughs> on the 12th floor of the world headquarters. And, and so he explained it one sentence that they had an issue, didn't know I have a solution yet, but they're working on it. And so I started to clap. And to this day, everybody around the world knew that was a sign the two large doors behind me in the Thunderbird room were going to open up. Two large human beings were going to come <laughs> in and extract Mark out of this meeting because he had this red item and he hadn't had it fixed. And so I said, Mark, that is great visibility. Thank you very much. Turned around to the team worldwide, said any thoughts about how to help Mark right away. And four or five members had a thought like uh, Benny Fowler, who uh, was leading, leading um, quality worldwide, said, I've seen an issue like that. I'll get you that data right away. Same thing from Derek Kuzak, who's leading product development. And then uh, Joe Hendricks, who's leading manufacturing, said, you know, we're going to get this figured out and you're going to need some manufacturing engineers in Oakville, Canada. I'll get them identified right away. 
and we'll get them up to Oakville to ready to switch the parts out. And then that took like eight or nine seconds. And then we went on to the next green, 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 green. Well, next week, Mark was still only the red one because no one knew whether Mark was going to still be there. And he was still there. Then the next week, I moved Mark over closer to me. And now they couldn't believe it. I mean, he's, he's got a red item and he's getting closer to the CEO. Well, uh, a couple of weeks later, he had a yellow had a solution. A couple of weeks later, they turned to green and the vehicle started flowing all around the world. And uh, guess what the, the, the colors look like that following week? Not all red, because there's always a lot of great things going on in the company. And you want to celebrate the greens in addition to the yellows and the reds. But at that point, they decided to trust me and trust this process of working together and the behaviors of working together. And I knew then that no matter what happened, whether it was the tsunamis around the world, whether it's economic slowdowns, whether it was GM and Chrysler going bankrupt, that we are going to be able to to create an exciting, viable, profitably growing company for the good of all the stakeholders and the greater good. Now you can see the next ones, how important the behaviors are. Propose a plan, positive, find a way attitude. Whenever I think of this, I always think of a Henry Ford quote, Mark, and he said, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're probably right. And so this whole idea, you could never it's almost like you have to expect the unexpected and expect to deal with it because this is an invention. It's a creation. It's an innovation. And, uh, and so having this attitude and then respecting each other and listening to each other and helping each other and appreciate each other. You notice that they're really fancy words, Mark, really fancy words. See, there's not things that I have to wonder about whether it's your soul or your values, or I want to know, I want to, I want to look and see what, what you're doing. And are you supporting this working together by the way you treat people and the way you uh, uh, help and listen and respect each other? Emotional resilience is really big uh, of trusting this process. When you have a red, you go right back up to the top. Have you included everybody? Do you have a plan for it? Do you have, do you, is everybody included? And then just trust this process of working together. and It'll always work. Because even if a red stays a long time for a red and you can't find a, a way out, then you'll develop a better plan for that item. So it'll always work. You just have to stick so true to following the process. Have fun. Enjoy the journey and each other. Um, as I, I mentioned, I, uh, every morning I wake up and I say thank you uh, one more time for this honor to serve uh, two American global icons and the, and the value they created for so many people around the world. And it's been so fun. Now, a corollary to this um, on enjoying each other and the journey is never a joke, ever a joke at anybody else's expense. And the reason is it's never funny. People will go along to get along. But the minute that somebody feels like they're going to be a victim, then they're going to not feel safe. And they're not going to be able to share what the real situation is. So this whole thing is to create this environment, this culture that everybody knows the process, the creating value roadmap, the business plan review. They also know the behaviors that we're going to exhibit. And there's zero tolerance for violating either, which brings us back to the leadership team. The leader in the leadership team is the most important job, contribution and role of the leader in the leadership team is to hold themselves and their team accountable and responsible for following this process and following these behaviors with zero tolerance for violating each other. So we don't think of it as hard work to, to stop a meeting and tell somebody to start paying attention or you know, all you gotta do is look at them if they're on their computer or they're talking to somebody. Can you imagine, I just, turn, I just stopped the meeting and look at them. Oh, oh, oh yeah, we're not following this process here. We're not listening to each other. So. The most important thing that a leader does is to nurture this working together culture. So those are the principles and practices. But and I know you know them well. Well, I I have found this this entire framework so transformational for me personally, and for anyone else that I've met who's allowed it to permeate and give a sense of safety to the entire organization. And I and I 
I'm always thinking about why does this work so well? And I and <laughs> you you really hit it with the fact that now I'm I'm trusting Alan. I'm trusting the executive. I'm I'm trusting Maggie. I'm trusting the executive who's leading this and making it feel as though it was not only safe for me to speak up, but necessary. And and then an opportunity for them to, in a sense, they it was almost fear of missing out on my red, so I could get it. Oh, Mark, that's that's so well said, because that's what's going to make us successful. It is not you're not red, the issue's red, and that's so different than in most organizations today. And and to expect the unexpected and expect to deal with it, now you're pulling in all those stakeholders. And oh, another thing is on the leadership team, all of the stakeholders are represented. The customers, the suppliers, all have leadership team members that are representing their interests. Mm-hmm. So they're on the team. And then every week, this data flows down through the organization, around the organization, out through the supply base, through to the customers. They all know. And so that's why they feel no one wants to miss a meeting. I mean, you want to see all you're watching, all these colors changing from red to yellow to green, a new red. And it's like you said, you're excited because now you know the issue and you know now that we can work on it together. And, and, and this wonderful human, Alan Mulally, who punctuates this with this remarkable piece of art that is on your shelf above your shoulder uh, and uh, the, this wonderful airplane. Oh, um, yeah, there it is. If you, weren't, <laughs> if you weren't certain this was a friendly guy, he meant it. <laughs> so, okay, just a fun thing for, for all our participants. So. Whenever I was, I present the airplane around the world, uh, whatever airplane we're on, and then uh, to the customers and stuff. And then I would, uh, uh, I'd sit down and I'd draw my airplane. And then I would write the equations of motion around it and, and just enjoy myself technically. And so one time I was in Guangzhou, China with China Southern Airlines, and we were closing on a multi billion dollar uh, order for 777 airplanes. And the chairman of China Southern was sitting on the other side of the table. And I, I finished my presentation and I, and I sat down and, he, and I drew my airplane and, and, and the chairman stopped the meeting. He said, oh, Mr. Mr. Lally, that's, that's your sign. That's your chop. That's your beam. <laughs> and I said, well, sir, it, it is. It's my work made love brains visible. Um, and he said, I said, what do you think? He said, well, this is the biggest decision we're ever going to make. It's the future of our company. Uh, we would like you to, I would like you to sign this multi-billion dollar contract with that airplane. So I turned around to the lawyers and the contracts people in the market. I said, so, so what do you guys think? And they said, Ms. Wally, you cannot sign a, a multi-billion dollar contract with a doodle of an airplane. I, so I turned around to the chairman. And I said, what do you think? And he said, I'm only going to sign if he, if he signs this way, because this is the essence of, of our relationship now and the future of our company. So I turned around to the lawyers and the contract people and said, okay, what do you think now? He said, you know, Mr. Riley, we really like your airplane. <laughs> and ever since then, I've signed all of the, the contracts the same way. <laughs> That's the chop. That's the chop. That's the chop. Yeah, thank you. I felt like we had bonded when we were at dinner together and you wrote and you put that on the name card and we, handed it to we, me. We have. That was a sign. That was a sign. Both sides. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that love. When when I when I have been exploring the many different ways that people have been influenced by your work and uh, and this working together yes. concept. And the fact that you now have so many decades having helped people through the process of arriving in a place to make that decision and have a seat at the table for the multi-billion dollar contract. Could you talk about this process of succession planning and, and maybe some of the leading insights that you might offer people who are listening today who are either now knocking on the C-suite's door to start to their first journey there, or maybe curated as a part of a process to, to get in the corner office. Well, absolutely. And, um, and with, this is so important, what you're raising. And I'd like to uh, back up a little bit and make it bigger than succession planning. And what I mean by that is, is that remember that one of the biggest parts about working together is this continuous improvement. 
Because for you to uh, make a projection of profits over the next five years, 10 years, whatever, near-term and long-term, well, it's going to take continuous improvement both on the revenue side and on the margin side because revenue times margin equals profits. And most good companies will increase their revenue by 5 to 7% a year by making products and services that people want and value. And they'll work on the efficiency side, the quality and efficiency side on the margins. And 1.07 times 1.07 is 1.15. And so the, the profits will move at 15% a year, compounding the growth rate. And the stock price will follow. And all of the shareholders, all of the stakeholders, everybody is going to be happy. And you you created a viable, growing company. And so uh, when it comes to every member of the team, every member of the team has their personal continuous improvement plan for them as a leader or as a participant. And both individually and also actions that are taken to improve the teamwork capability. And we've used over the years, even before I knew what it was, we used Marshall's uh, Stakeholder Center Coaching. Yes. And we used uh, Stakeholder Center Leadership, where you included all the stakeholders. And then every member, uh, with the help of all your colleagues, helping you identify areas where you could improve on your behaviors or your competencies that would help yourself and the team be even more um, um, viable going forward. And, and so it just fits with the whole business. You're, you're improving, the business is improving, personally improving, teamwork's improving. So now you think about succession plan. It's not about picking one or two people to succeed uh, being the CEO. This is about a broad improvement plan of the entire leadership team, or some people call the C-suite or, or whatever. Um, but it's all, all the way down to the organization too, because you want an organization where everybody is improving their competencies and their skills and these behaviors. And so uh, the most important thing is, is to have that plan in place, continually improving it each year. Everybody's helping you because they know the areas that you're improving because you've told them, you know, following stakeholder center coaching and they've helped you decide, you got to decide that you got to decide the two or three you're going to work on. And and then over time, you're, you're building this very robust, broad set of, of leaders. And so then next thing is, is make sure that you keep looking for the opportunities. One is education. The other one is your personal development, your teamwork development, but then your experiences. So then you move the people around so they have the experience. So the time that you get to the place where you're being considered for the C-suite or any position in the organization, the C-suite or the CEO. Because remember, the CEO's unique responsibility is to have a profitable growth plan and be delivered on that. And remember the board's job, they only have two assignments as a board. One is, is to hold the CEO accountable for a profitable growth plan. And the other one is select the CEO. And usually the two are very tightly controllable and relatable. And so, uh, so you think about it now that everybody is working on the same objectives and it all goes back to that compelling vision of the company. So everybody knows where you're going, how we're getting there, and, you, and they know personally what you're doing to contribute to that and how are you doing continuously improving your skills. So it takes succession planning to not a, a unique uh, event. It takes it to this is part of the strategy of managing this organization for the good of the individuals uh, and all the, all the stakeholders in addition to the greater good. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's a part of the, the entire picture of working together is meaning that we're all getting better and contributing to the outcomes. So that, that, that's brilliant. And I think often it is too much a project and not, or, and even an invent, intervention, which is really <laughs> that should have gotten read on my scores. Yeah, so if it were an intervention, yeah, <laughs> it should be absolutely. business as usual in working together and developing ourselves. You know, Mark, what, yeah. what, one of the key enablers of that to what you just said and what we're talking about is uh, I was on the business roundtable for, <clears throat> for the United States for a lot of years. And, and it was always dominated about the purpose of business was increased shareholder value in our total value, our total returns. And a number of us argued that it should be about all the stakeholders. Everybody ought to benefit. 
And so you think about what that trend, and when they passed that, uh, when Business Roundtable put that out two years ago, that the purpose of business is to create value where all for all the stakeholders, all the stakeholders, the customers, employees, the, the investors, the suppliers. Well, all of a sudden, think about inclusion and diversity and everybody being associated with it now and knowing what the plan is and helping move the plan forward. So I really think that might be one of the most important developments ever. And I really think that's going to, to what that you dedicated your life to and, and all of our colleagues is to uh, continuously improve and create value for the, all the stakeholders, but also for the greater good. And is there a time that this is needed more worldwide than right now? Absolutely. And it, it resonates throughout the ecosystem of all the stakeholders that we can create value for them. And it's our responsibility too. And when you think about the relationship of the board too, that set of responsibilities, the two jobs you were talking about, in a sense, take on greater permutations. And to, to align and to integrate them uh, with the rest of the organization. And the focus. Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, you're going to get the, you're going to get the results of this. You're, right. you're, going to, you're going to deliver value creation because you're so focused on the strategy and plan for achieving that vision. Do you think of the board members as being also in a, in a role then of, of mentoring or how do you expose those people who will be making that judgment ultimately with the CEO about the new person when well, he steps into office? I've always thought that the whole, the entire board of directors, including the chairman, and I, I've always liked um, the separation of the chairman from the CEO because you think about this conversation we've just had, and you could argue it must be kind of tough if you're the chairman of the board of directors and your main job is to ensure the CEO has a viable growth plan uh, and select the CEO, and then you're the CEO. So you're going to talk about yourself? Yeah. That could kind of be hard. And so I, I really think that having those separated so the board knows exactly what their job is, and the CEO and the leadership team know what their job is. And then they work together because now you have this unbelievable shared destiny. They have been elected. The board has been elected by the, uh, the shareholders to um, ensure that the company has a viable growth plan for the good of everybody. Well, that's our, and select the CEO and the CEO knows that. So now you're tied together with the mutual objective of growing the business for everybody. And I've always also thought, that the entire board ought to be on the selection committee of the CEO, not have a, a, a separate little committee of two or three people. No, the board is there every month, every two months, going over the entire plan. And if this is what they're focused on, then you know the CEO and leadership team would be sharing and introducing and making sure that the board knew all of the candidates, right? And so, so the, the CEO is not going to be afraid now of sharing these dynamite talent. That's going to be, they're going to know that that's part of their job is to have a broad list of candidates that the board can choose from for when the CEO decides to retire or if it's not working out, uh, be able to have this great broad set of talents. That really changes the frame of reference, one from having to decide you know, whether or not that individual, that CEO might feel threatened in some cases in, in terms of saying, uh, you know, how do I expose them? To you know, there's no threat now because it's all going to be based on the data. Right. It's all yeah. going to be based on the data. Exactly. Are we properly growing or not? And, are, and, and, and also we look at all the measures for every one of the stakeholders. So the employees, we look at the employee survey. You know, when I arrived at Ford, the employee positive survey was like 35%. Everybody was scared to death. They knew they were in trouble. And when we left, when I left, we were at 91% positive from all the employees. We have the same kind of information about the investors that our intraday low stock was a dollar one. When I left, it was, it appreciated 1,837%. We look at the suppliers. We were next to last with our suppliers. When I left, we were number two of all the, in the eyes of all the suppliers worldwide. So we're not only are we doing it for all the stakeholders, but we are measuring, we're measuring their satisfaction. Isn't that incredible? Brilliant. I remember when we first started talking about the employees, 
And I said, okay, we, we, we all agree that they're important and their you know, satisfaction, have what they think should go up. And they said, yeah. And then they started talking about how much should it go up? And I said, and they kept talking about should it go up this or this. I said, let's just draw a line where it goes up. And we'll get started there. We don't need to worry about the, the rate of the growth right now. And so once we switched over to that, then all of a sudden, oh, we have to actually have to do something. We're going to have to include them, tell them what's going on, treat them with respect, or they're not going to have that line go up. <laughs> so measures for every stakeholder. Measures for every state. It really does. It, it adds, in a sense, and it, it sets you free to do the right work and to work together uh, and not have. Well said. Well, it, set, it sets you free. See, the data sets you free. Mm-hmm. Always will set you free because then you can proceed with confidence. There you go. That bright light always being the, the, the cleansing direction. And, and that's why you always take my breath away with these principles, <laughs> because um, some of them, I have to admit, were hiding in plain sight uh, and others <laughs> were very obscure. <laughs> and thank you for, for, you know, turning on the lights for us. You're um, welcome. <laughs> I always, you know, what people say uh, to Mark in, the, in your, in your uh, just to build on what you said is that when you move from the swamp, where Grendel's mother is, Grendel's <laughs> extended family down there. Uh-huh. And you move into the light and you feel this, the true satisfaction of meaningful accomplishment individually and together, you'll never go back in the swamp. You'll never be a victim. You'll never get yourself in a position where you're not appreciated and you're not loved. Mm-hmm. Well, that love that you're expressing uh, in the organizational context and and for these uh, iconic companies is also something that has flowed through your work and life balance. Uh, you've integrated that. I, I feel right. that when you say you're having fun and I look at that smile, I actually believe you. I really, <laughs> I'm feeling it. It's visceral to me. Uh, it's it's you can't fool, you can't you can't fool anybody. We no, know that. Can't everybody, that. everybody knows. Yeah. Tell us about how you do that. I remember you sharing many, many years ago. I think it was uh, when I met Bill Ford and I was helping out around there and you were well along the way and, and you, were tell- you were sharing an anecdote about how you were all organizing socks and doing your BPR for the family uh, with the laundry at home. Uh, well, so I'd be glad to share that. Although uh, if Nikki hears me, she'll probably come to say you're not sharing the story about our family. You know? Okay, that's good. That's all right. We're all working from home. So, yeah, so, uh, so to your question, uh, my thought about work-life balance, and we is that that uh, instead of putting them in, instead of differentiating them, you should need to have one. The aspects of your life, you need to have one life, and it needs to be an integrated life, and it needs to be your life's work. So, if you think and think of a big circle. Venn diagram, and then put a whole bunch of circles inside all the different elements of our lives, our work life, our personal life, our spiritual life, our athletic life, um, our family life, all community life. And then they're all intersecting. And then on the outside of the circle, put one life. Then on the bottom of the circle, put life's work. Mm. And then put, or on the left-hand side of the big circle, put lifelong learning. And on the other side of the circle, uh, uh, put continuous improvement. Now, look at that hmm. every day, and you have to deal with it, with reality. So what do you really think about your family life? Is it really important to you or not? Not just that you say it, or you think you should say it. And what do you really think about your work life and your spiritual life? And so make sure you're clear to yourself. Don't fool yourself about what you think about all those aspects of your life. And then look at your calendar in the morning and at night. And do you have the things that you think are important to you? Are they in your calendar? So here's what some people do. They go, I watched them do it. They say, okay, family's really important to me. So I have planned a family vacation 2022 in August. Check that box. Yeah, exactly. Check. I got that one. Now I'll go back to doing the stuff I love. No, I don't think so. I think you're going to want to. Uh, have a more a better com- a comprehensive plan for every element, and all you have to do is look at your schedule. Okay, now back to the family meeting. So, um, business plan review. So, Nick and I started having our five kids, and um, and I I knew we needed a business plan review, just like at Boeing. So, I brought this up to her, and I said, "Let's have a business plan review. We we'll review all aspects of our business here." 
And she said, Alan, we're not, this is not a business. This is our family. So, aha. So my innovation took over and I said, okay. So I came back and I said, how about a family meeting? We'll call our family meeting. She said, what are we going to do at the family meeting? I said, well, we'll just, we'll just uh, review how it's all going. All of us together, the family. How's it going? Well, matter of fact, I think we'll write, we'll write down what our compelling vision is for the family and also our comprehensive strategy for achieving that and why we're here. And also we'll review it every week. Review it every week? Yeah. So let's do it every Sunday morning. Okay. She said, okay. So what's going to be the agenda for the family meeting? I said, well, we come back from, from a, a church. And then the first agenda was everybody would go around through the house and they'd pick up all their stuff, not everybody else's stuff, all their stuff, get it back into the, uh, in their QB, QBs and then also back in their room. Because after a week with seven people in the house, it looks like a bomb. <laughs> and so then the next one, they bring all their laundry down to the, and we usually have two washers and dryers and we do all the laundry. Then we bring it down, put, dump it out on the kitchen table. And then everybody would sort the laundry. I didn't sign up as a compelling vision to sort everybody else's laundry. Besides that, you can't sort other people's laundry with seven people in the house. Who does the stuff belong to? So, but if you have everybody there, it's done in five minutes. It's all sorted back in the room. Then they come, go back to their room and they bring down their calendar, a little loose, you know, little spiral notebook. They're in kindergarten, Mark. They're in kindergarten. <laughs> they're coming down with their calendar and they put it on the table. We sit around the round table. Then everybody goes through their calendar and reviews what they have coming up next week and any help they might need. Uh, cheerleading support, taxicab service. Um, and then we'd all fill in. We write down and we go back and fill it in our calendar. And I'd go back to Amy and, and say, okay, here are the things I have for the coming week. She just built it right into the schedule. And sometimes I was there, sometimes I wasn't, but everybody knew where I was. And so uh, we could support the family. And then one of them we added as they got older was, if you're going to do anything that'll impact um, our family, you know, good or bad, you need to tell us ahead of time. <laughs> Oh, this was good. This was good. Because if you're going to no, steal something. No surprises. Yeah, if you're going to steal accidents. something. Exactly. Well, it didn't, it didn't work 100%, but man, it made you think about what you're going to get ready to do. So as I, as I got older, uh, every time we were together, and it just makes my, my uh, uh, smile, makes my eyes, my head hurt think when I'm around because they're so funny when they talk about this. And I'd say, well, if you didn't think it was really fun and stuff, uh, why did you do it? And they said, Dad, do you remember what the last item was on your family meeting? And I said, uh, I don't. And they said, you would pass out the allowances. <laughs> Not held hostage. I think she's commenting from the other room, right? <laughs> she, was, she, went, she went by and she went like this. Right. Okay. I'm glad that was a gesture. <laughs> yeah. So... It, it, it's back to it's back to where we started. It's all about loving them up, together on, love them up, working together on something that's bigger than ourselves, and in, and then making a safe uh, and a smart organization, our, our family, and enjoying that journey in each other. Well, I I I can see from the way that family grew up um, that that uh, and all of the families that you've impacted through the stakeholders of the companies you've touched, the ripple effect of this, you've, you've, been, you've been that stone um, that's paid it forward. Um, and, and we're feeling it today with the way uh, we're touched uh, in this conversation. So thank you so much, Alan. Oh, you're welcome, it. Mark. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I love working with you. We're going to just now take a moment to segue to take a few questions. I know one of the people that was chomping at the bit is in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. Uh, ben, Fantastic. You want to ask your your ask ask your question? Yes. Okay. Thanks, uh, Mark. Alan, great to meet you. Um, and uh, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom experience, right? So freely. You're welcome. Um, so I've been um, getting actually coached by Mark and Marshall um, over the last three months. And uh, three months ago, Marshall, actually, I watched the video that you had a session with uh, Marshall back then. And I'm a CEO of a software company. We've got a tech team in Seattle and then we're across Asia, Middle East and Africa. And good. We've been, we haven't been hitting our numbers. We've had different sort of fragmentation. And so we've started applying the business plan review in the last quarter. And uh, we basically hit our numbers for the quarter, brought everyone together. <laughs> right? Great. 
Yeah, the, the company's now, you know, it's our best quarter ever and, uh, you know, we're taking off. So first of all- I think, I think Mark ought to interview you next time. Yes, well, that's, that, that's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so thank you for that. And the, my question is, um, so we've been applying the BPR and I've been in a more of a directive mode in the meetings, right? So I know it's not this practice, but sort of asking everyone and I've been the one doing the red, yellow, green. I want to shift it for the next quarter to get everybody to, you know, develop their plan and then do the scoring. So I'd just like to ask your advice on, you know, with that sort of a context, and we use OKRs as our framework for how we yeah. set you know, the objectives Good. and the targets. Any advice you'd have on, on shifting it and how you get people to rate the yellows and the red, what they mean? Yeah, so that's yeah my absolutely. My advice is uh, for you to speak the least in the business plan review. And... Mm. And what I mean by that is that your job, your contribution, your unique role is to nurture this environment, not be asking all the questions, not be given any direction, because every time you do that, every time you share a thought, it'll be perceived as direction. Mm. And so then it's not their plan anymore. So if you're sitting there, think of your team sitting there and, and, you, have, and you have them develop the OKRs to support your overall company's OKRs. Yeah. And so yes. you'll be able to look at that. They'll be able to look at that, but they're going to be 100% committed to continuously improving, making sure they got the right OKRs to deliver the company's OKRs because then that whole team sitting there is going to benefit. So now your job is to just enjoy it. They'll show their OKRs. And don't tell them about whether they're, <laughs> the worst thing you can do is say, don't you think that, that yellow you have there is really a red? <laughs> well, then all of a sudden you're doing their job again. So just shift over to uh, keep, the most important thing you can do is keep the meeting on schedule. Mm -hmm. Everybody has 10 minutes, whatever you have for this meeting. They show their OKRs. They show the status of them. And you see red, yellows, and greens. They don't explain at all. They're going to be together next week. See, people don't need to be asking 35 questions about grinding the person into the dirt. They just showed you you have a red. And so they're working on it. So they'll be back next week. Now, can you imagine the, the positive pressure and encouragement that that results in all those participants making progress with everybody else's help? Because can you imagine a participant a week from there after they put up a red and they show the red again, they said, you know, I didn't have time to work on this. To hell with all of you, everybody on my team. I don't think so. That person would see some, meet some people on the playground right away, right? Like, hey, really, what can we do to help you out? So again, the most important thing is you moving to a facilitator, to a coach role, and not being directive. Mm -hmm. Now, if something is coming off, if the wheels are coming off, I mean, you're the CEO, you're the leader, you can always jump in, but you, but you want to absolutely minimize that so that you're bringing out their commitment, uh, their responsibility, because that's when you're gonna get the best of the entire team and know what's really going on. Mm. That makes sense? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And just say, say <laughs> thank you, say thank, thank you a you, lot. Thank you. Say thank, thank you very much, thanks for sharing that. Um, mm. And that's, you're gonna, and every time you have that positive reinforcement for the situation, then this effectiveness, your effectiveness is just going to keep skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great question. Thanks, Great Ben. question. Thank you, Alan. You're up it. next for the for, for an interview, Ben. Um, uh, Lisa Gilbert, I, I met in Tokyo when she was leading um, the charge for marketing for uh, uh, IBM. Uh, and uh, Lisa, I think you're today in New York, and uh, you, you had a question for Alan. We talked a lot. I about do. It. Is, I do. Uh, I'm actually in quarantine in London, believe it or not. Okay. Um, it's just oh, a mandatory wow. quarantine you have to do. So, um, so hi, Alan. Uh, it was fantastic, fantastic hour we just sent. I, I have a question for you about personal resiliency. And have you ever been passed up for a role that you really wanted and others expected you to get? And if so, how did you bounce back? And, you know, how'd you get your head around it? You know, uh, Lisa, I, I have not. It's going to sound funny, uh, but when when uh, um, when Mark brought up a work is love made visible, and I shared my story, um, I was just so happy to serve. I never 
Uh, I didn't have expectations of, of jobs. I never planned out my career. But I, I, back to this continuous improvement, wherever I was in the organization, um, I always went right back to my supervisor with where I was on my projects. I, I'd ask them for the feedback. I have, my wife thinks it's, it's <laughs> she said, how can you keep asking people how you're doing? I mean, and they actually will tell you sometimes if you could do this, you could be even better at it. Well, that's just continuous improvement to me. So I'd always take what they said, uh, I get to decide, and I would, and my continuous improvement would uh, continue, and I, and I love doing that. And they just kept asking me to do more and more, take on more and more responsibility. I had no idea that I would love managing. My first employee, Lisa, quit. They moved me into being a supervisor. And I said, what does a supervisor do? And, and uh, they said, well, we're going to assign someone like you. We've got a new, new leader here from Caltech, an engineer. So we want you to help him um, uh, be the best he can be. Well, I thought that meant I'd need to create him in my image. So he kept bringing me his memos, his technical memos, and I'd, I'd write all my suggestions for improvement. 14 revisions later, he walked in my office, Lisa, and he put the memo down in front of me. And he said, now, Alan, Alan, I know you're right-minded and I know you care, but uh, I just can't stand this being micromanaged. I think we passed the point of diminishing returns about 10 revisions ago. Mm. And I said, well, okay, well, what do you think I can do to help then? Um, and he said, well, you might want to think about what, what Boeing's asking you to do. Uh, they're probably asking you to make sure that um, I know what the vision is of the, of the project we're working on. I know what the strategy is. I'm networking with the right people. Uh, and any, of course, technical encouragement along the way is, is, is welcome. But where do I have the right tools? Uh, I said, wow, I think that's really good for a supervisor. I said, will you stay if I start to do that? He said, oh, no way. I just, I, you'll, get, you'll get there someday, but right now, right now, I don't think so. I stayed in touch with him, Lisa, through my whole career. And every time that uh, I was asked to take on more responsibility, he would call me and say, and Alan, you're not done yet. Just keep being you, be you. Keep asking how you can help, how you can serve more. And every time I know that every job that I've been asked to do uh, because of this uh, process, I had a pretty good idea of what was entailed. And so I was, I was happy to do it. And uh, like I said, I, I have no, no regrets, nothing that I, I can't believe. I just can't believe I had a chance to serve these two American and global icons. Well, we're hey, thank glad you. That you did. We, we are so glad that you did, Alan, um, that you have now, I think, built a culture at those organizations and built a culture that allows us all to feel like we can share it within our own organizations. And it's true. everyone who's on this call, I, I want to encourage you to, to, to send me notes so that we can continue the dialogue with Alan uh, about this, because what, what I love about having an hour with uh, Alan is it's a provocation for a lifetime of, of learning and uh, and so many more issues that I know that you're all- Listen to you, Mark. You just drew the chart again. Yes. Life, lifelong learning, continuous improvement, one life, life's work. <laughs> Was I listening? <laughs> Thank you. You, you always live. You always. I feel I, I feel your love. I feel the, the, the insights here. And thank you everyone for joining us. And I so appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to learn from you. So. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson, and please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.